This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone, Robbo here. You're listening to the Blues Focus podcast. Keep right on. Hi Blue fans, Marlon King here. You're listening to the Blues Focus podcast. Keep right on. Hello and welcome to the Blues Focus podcast with me, your host, John Graham. Once again, many thanks for taking the time to download the pod, wherever you download it from. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe leave your comments. It's always good to read those. And as we say, we do pick out a few of those and sort of debate the sort of the common theme. So don't be shy. Please leave them. Um, right. Uh, interesting game just gone. So before we crack into that, Carl, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Just about recovered from the result, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Tom, you okay, mate? Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. Good. Okay. Well, let's get involved then. Um, yeah, Christ, here we are again. It's, it's starting to get positive. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, I, th- I think lots to talk about from the game and, uh, you know, not sort of breaking from convention. I think it is just beyond my... I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing on Friday. So I'm not going to kick off. Tom, I'm going to open up with you. Um, thoughts on the on the team selection and, and I think some of the dream picks from the last pod would, would happen. So he was maybe listening. that's a fucking theme now. We just go <laughs> with our dream picks and in they go. I was gonna say, like it was crazy when I was looking at the lineup. I thought, fuck, he's gone and listened to our podcast before we've even released it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um no, it was it was really, really good. I did say that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw one of those under-23 game lads in there because it does send that message to the squad that there's a chance you'll, you'll get to prove yourself and you'll get into the squad. But also, you know, there had to be some rotation because it was... We might get predictable, but I also think a few lads need a little bit of a break. But obviously, we've just had the two-week break anyway. Mm. Um, and over that two weeks, he might have decided that we suit a better, a different style or what I personally thought for that Swansea game. He just went to match them. I think yeah. he just literally set up to match them and not not hold back. I think we, um, we look to kind of pounce at the right points. Um, yeah. And obviously, we'll talk about how he played later on. But the lineup definitely gave a. Um, we just kind of wanted to match what they were trying to do, um, but also just kind of, I don't know, make it uncomfortable for them. And it was yeah. a bit of a different lineup. Obviously, Sunjic came back in, which I was a bit mm, meh on because I do like 
the uh, the Harper Gardner partnership. Yeah. Um, but I do think Harper probably needed a rest. I think he was one particular player that we all picked out that had just looked quite tired of late. Yeah. Um. So no, and Sunjic, in fairness to him, had a good game. Uh, Seddon first half. Uh, definitely had a good game, but he got a bit wild. But overall, no, I was really happy with the lineup, particularly to see Steve Seddon. I think that one excited me the most. But um, no, it wasn't wasn't bad. I always dread five at the back, but if he wants to try it, then fair enough. Yeah, Carl, were you were you as surprised? Yeah, massive. I think it caught us all out. I don't think there's a Blues mm. fan on this earth no. that will hold their hands up and say they expected that lineup. No. I just I saw it. And at first, you know, when you look at something, and you think. What the fuck did I just read? <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? And uh, yeah, it just absolutely just just caught me by surprise. I didn't expect it. Um, I'll take credit for the Seddon selection. I think you know it's obviously <laughs> my wise words that persuaded me <laughs> to do that. Um, you're welcome, Sed. Um, nothing to do with your hard work whatsoever. Um, but it was just uh, across the board. It just yeah, it just absolutely caught me out by surprise. I wasn't expecting anything. Again, same with Tom Sunjic is including. Yeah, I wasn't totally on board with that. But again, Harper, I think he played like nine or ten on the bounce, didn't he, Harper? So he probably did need that little bit of extra time to kind of recuperate, considering I think he barely played for a year or or whatever it was before he joined us on loan. So, um, yeah, um, it's good to see um, Leco getting his chance as well. I think that was a great shout. Um, He was quite unlucky, wasn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, massively. But it was good to see him get get a, a start. Um, so yeah, massive surprise, but I felt weirdly positive about it. Again, like Tom, I don't like playing five at the back, never have, but it was, uh, I didn't have the same existential dread that I did with Karanka when you saw his selection with five at the back as I did with Boga. I still felt quite positive about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, <clears throat> see, I, I, it depends, it depends what manager it is. You know, I, I'm a massive fan of, of the three at the back. I, I've always have been. Um, but you've got to have the right players and they need to understand what the hell they're doing because you know, if, you, if people are playing two up top, then you've got somebody spare that can mop up and you can build from the back, and I quite like that. I must admit, I don't like five. I think if it goes to a five more often than not, it just sends out the wrong message. You get overrun in midfield, or if you don't get overrun midfield, you've got absolutely fuck all up top because it's just not enough bodies, you know, sort of beyond the defence. So, But when I saw the team... I don't know if it's because I had a few early on, on Good Friday. I looked at it and I'm thinking, I actually don't know what the... I, I just couldn't, in my head, picture the system. I, I just couldn't picture it. Um, I, I reckon your prediction of 3-3, Carl, was about... That was more likely <laughs> to happen than fucking Sunjic starting. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I genuinely didn't see that coming. Um, Seds, I think we talked about that, and it, it was probably overdue. But then when you see Pedersen in the team again, you're like... Yeah, okay, well, how's that going to work then? Um, but I, I, th- I think I put it on Instagram. It's sort of, it, it, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. But, you know, I'm not the manager and he's been working them, with them now for a, a, a decent period of time. And we'll probably talk about, you know, uh, how it matched up. And, uh, and I think Dean was at length to say, and Bowyer to a degree, that they probably wouldn't compromise on on formation just because you know the side they're playing and the way they play that we change our style. I think we probably did that, and I, I didn't give a fuck to be honest. You know that's fine, um, and I think ultimately uh, as we go through the pod, it obviously paid dividends. But 
Um, but I think everything, and, and probably to your point, Carl, whatever decision he makes, and I know it's massively early doors and it's only three games. I just don't, I'm not really questioning it now because I actually think he knows better than me. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not the bastion of all things football and I, I wouldn't profess to be anything other than, you know, just, just love the club and want to see him do well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I was, that's probably the most surprising and the, and, and I'll say this, including Karanka, it was the most surprising selection of fucking season. Fuck, <laughs> 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 you know. So it was Bowie a bingo, but but with a, with a positive spin, I think is with the best success. way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think that the players that came in, and, and I, I personally, well, I'll talk about Lecco as we go through the pod. They're, they'll put a shift in. You know the players that are coming in, they'll really look to have that impact and try and cement their, their position in the team. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to be... Um, I'm not going to contradict myself. I wouldn't have picked that team, but I'm not the manager. Um, and as we go into that first half, I'll start with you, Cole. How, how, did you, how did you think it sort of, you know, we started? I think we started okay. Um, I think when Swansea got that early free kick, my stomach did a bit of a flip. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we fucking go. It's going to start. And especially as it broke to, uh, I think it was, um, was it Jamal Lowe? I think it broke to. Right? Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, no, that's going to have, lose of old, that would have shot their confidence a little bit. But they just seemed to be like, all right, we've obviously got to do better next time, lads. And they just got themselves together and started building attacks, you know? And I think it was, I think it was that kind of early warning shot kind of spurred them on a bit in the early minutes of the game, you know? And yeah. sort of 10, 15 minutes in, you're thinking, okay, we're not being outplayed. We're not being outrun. We're not being outmatched here. We're second. We're first to second ball. All right. Okay. And, and it was just a solid base to build from for the rest of the match. And I think that opening 10, 15 minutes, I think probably set the tone, to be honest. Yeah. Um, from game. And if they were going to beat us to balls, we we're going to kick them off. It. Yeah. Plain and simple. And I think that's from the Reading game and the Swansea game, I think that's going to be Bowie's attitude. You're going to come to St Andrews, you're leaving with bruises at the very least, you know, yeah. and we're going to do our best to deny you points. And I think that's very evident now over the course of the two games we've had at home. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that combative style is going to be a, a trademark of his teams. And we've always said that, you know, managers that come into Blues, they need to get what we're about, not just as a, as a, as a club, but as a fan base. That's top of the list, absolutely top of the list. And I was saying just before, Carl, the, just saw that some of the highlights of the October 83 Blues Villa game. Oh, yeah, yeah, please watch that, especially the, the knob like headbutt on Stephen Marne at the end. It's, a, it's an absolute joy to watch. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, you know, you have, you have to temper that, you know, or, or being, being serious. It's got to be controlled aggression. Yeah. So, Tom, what, what was your take on the first half? Well, were you happy with it? Yes, it was like the first time I've, in all my time watching Blues, uh, I've seen us play five at the back plenty of times. It's the first time I've ever seen us comfortable doing it. Um, do you mm. know what? I, I honestly cannot, even when we beat Preston earlier on in the season and we played five at the back at Preston away, we won that game, but we never looked comfortable defensively. Um, that was genuinely the yeah. first game where we played five at the back and I just thought we were solid. Like they weren't doing anything. Yeah. I thought, yeah, you know, the Jamal Lowe set piece, um, it was a little bit scary, but I feel like it was a save Etheridge should make and he did well to make it. Um, 
but after that, they didn't fucking do anything. Like, we contained them, we matched them, and if not, bettered them. Um, and obviously, we, we get the penalty. And um, Liko, I thought his work rate was fantastic, by the way, th- throughout. I was quite upset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was quite upset, actually, that he didn't get a goal because you can see on his face how frustrated he is that he's not got a goal yet. Like, when he was subbed off, you could just see how how frustrated he is from his body language. Um, so, no, like, I, I hope... I do feel like there's a goal coming for Liko soon, but it was great to see his work rate. And then, obviously, we get to the, the elephant in the room of the first half, the penalty... Um, I've always said Djokovic should never, ever, ever be on penalties. And I will stand by that for the rest of my life. Um, I remember the first penalty he scored for Blues. It was Blackburn away and I was there. And that was saved, but it went in because it literally just bounced over the line after the save. And since then, he just seems to take penalties. And I don't know why. Um, In fairness, that penalty in particular wasn't actually that bad. A lot of... Uh, strikers these days tend to go for that sort of penalty, particularly Troy Deeney. Yeah. Uh, you know, just smash it yeah. straight down the middle and good luck saving it. But I think because it was so low, that was why it was a bit easier for a woman to save. Uh, I just don't think Juki is a penalty man. I'd rather have like someone like Bella or Helilovic or just someone with a bit more technique on it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I... I was frustrated because I saw as soon as he stepped up, I was like, yeah, we, we missed it. We, we missed that pen. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I was annoyed at that. But overall, a very, very positive first half. And just to get a penalty was shocking enough because we never get them. But to get two in one game, fucking hell, that's unheard of. I can't remember the last time that happened to lose. I really can't. I think it was Huddersfield at home. Uh, Huddersfield when, at home, yeah. Yeah, Craig Gardner scored. Um what a game that was when we went down to 10 men, Adam's getting sent off. But um, yeah, no, overall, very, very good first half. And I'm not surprised he took Seddon sec- uh, off for the second half either because he was definitely a um, bit of a hothead, but a good hothead. It was a positive performance from Seddon. And um, I think he did the right thing taking him off in the end as well. Yeah, he'll have learned a lot from that, Seddon and, and the manager, I think, that that was probably a lot of frustration, jubilation, enthusiasm, all those things of actually getting a start and really yeah. desperate to prove himself because he's still a kid. Um, and I think he probably appreciates that he's got a manager that's a bit blood and thunder and he and he just tipped over a little bit, but he'll be better for the experience. There's no two ways about that. And I think you've got a fantastic old pro in, in friends that, that can marshal him, I think, just uh Hopefully, put his arm around him and say, "Look, you know, you've got a long career. You you, just, you need you know a little bit more discipline because, as much as I sort of say, you know, was joking about you know Noel Blake and some of the sides and Pat Van Den Howe and some nutters, Julian Dix, keep going. There's tons of them. Um, you need to stay on the pitch. You know, you need to stay on the pitch. And you know, we wouldn't have been thanking him today if we'd have gone down one nil and he'd have put his two footer in on the hour and we'd, we'd have lost the game. So, um, but I but I think he's his inclusion, he deserves it. I think there's a lot more positives and negatives from his performance. I'll get the same feeling about Leco that I had about Hogan after he played Man City, where there just seems to be a complete switch. He's completely changed. His demeanour's changed. His body language has changed. I still think at times his touch isn't ideal. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be overly gushing, but 
I do think he looks a hell of a lot more interested. And I think that that sort of position with if Hogan wasn't going to play, that position with Djukovic, it was always going to be him, I think, or maybe McGree. Uh, he's got the nod. I don't think he's done himself any harm, if I'm being honest. Uh, but obviously Hogan's come on and, and done what he's done. So who knows what's going to happen in the next game. Um, yeah, and, I, and I just think, you know, I was saying to Carl before we came on, that's as competent a defensive display that I can remember. And it's bizarre to say that because, you know, we had probably haven't really got a right to after, I thought first 10 minutes were a little bit, I wasn't convinced. I think he took a bit of bedding in. Um, but we definitely grew into that that first half. Um, but, you know, 20, 25 minutes gone, they looked clueless. They didn't look like devoid of ideas. And, you know, then fucking third from top. You know, this isn't like a pub team. They're a decent side. They didn't look third from top. No, they didn't. No. But the thing is, Tom, we it's so frustrating because we fucking play these really good sides and we make them look bang average. We'll lose to Rotherham. <clears throat> you watch. Well, well, we'll I mean, Rotherham. <laughs> to be honest, mate, we, we, but we'll beat Brentford and Stokes. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it, it, it's one of those. It's a pick em. It's a pick em out of these, out of these um, the teams that we're playing against. Having said that, and going back to the... Bowyer matching up, he won't. I'd, I'd be absolutely fucking amazed if he he might play that system against Brentford. Wouldn't surprise me because they're, you know, very much you know it's get it down, play it. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see it for one minute he's going to get to play that against Stoke. Just don't see it in, in a million. Oh years. no, we'll go four four two against that, Stoke. exactly. So, but again, now we, we're talking about this in a very logical manner, and we're saying okay, we'll probably do that. We'll probably do that. Fucking a month ago. You, you couldn't do it. You just didn't know what was going to happen. happen. So no. for me, that's a massive, massive plus. I'm with you on the Djukovic pen, even though I had him first goal. Uh, <laughs> how Hilinovic isn't on pens. He could put it on a, on a fucking two pence piece anywhere in the goal and rebona it. I, ju- I just, <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand that. You, for me, penalties, it's the, it's the person that's got the best technique that is your dead ball man. Just, get him on pens so i just felt we we'd worked our nuts off and it and it was i you know i, I just questioned the decision of Juki going on that but you know we've seen the you know keeper goes early it's a goal and and those penalties as you say tom when they smash straight down the middle it when they go in they look great but when the keeper just stands there it looks a little bit Shit, yeah, in it? fairness to Juki though, Woodman has saved five out of his eight, eight, eight penalties. Yeah, that's mental. So, so yeah, so that end of the first half, probably a bit, bit mixed feelings from my point of view. I thought we started off a little bit shaky, and then we were, I think, we were the better side. Um, so we go in nil nil. Um, then we get into second half. Tom, how do you think the second half played out? <clears throat> um, I don't think it could have gone any better. To be honest, um, it was. You know, we were still on top. Uh, I think there was a, a very, very brief kind of five, ten minute phase um, past the past the hour mark where we looked a bit tired, kind of sat back a little bit, let Swansea try and create something, but they just they just couldn't. I think we um, kind of sat back well for a bit, recovered, and uh, they just couldn't cause any problems because we closed all the gaps. Um, then obviously we we get back into the game again, start taking it to them. And I think we need to definitely touch on the substitutes because 10 minutes to go, nil-nil, brings on two strikers. You don't see Karanka do that. We bring on whatever defenders we have on the bench. You bring them all on. Um, 
But no, you brought on two strikers and that livened us up. Like, you know, we were being a bit more lively again. Also brought on Harper, um, which, you know, freshened up the midfield a little bit, which was good. And overall, I was just quite happy. I was glad to see Friend, obviously, back in the action as well. um, Because we all know how good George Friend can be um, on his day. And especially at centre-half this season. So, um, yeah, nice to see him back involved because I do think he could have a part to play towards the end of the season. Um, But, yeah, and then we finally got a a kind of a stroke of luck, really, towards the end. A lot of people have messaged me saying it's not a pen, right? But for me, it's soft, but it's a penalty in this modern day. You know, 20 years ago, it's not a pen. Now, it's a pen. So, he does clip him and Sunjic does go down and... It's, it wasn't intentional, for sure. It wasn't intentional. He slipped over. But that's the slice of luck we've been missing all season. Yeah. So am I going to complain? Fuck no. I'm delighted. I am over the moon. And then I was just like, right, who's stepping up for it then? And obviously listening to Dean's interview, uh, Cosgrove really wanted it because he was like, that's all I ever did in Scotland, penalties. Yeah. Um, but Hogan was confident he could take it. Now, the last time Hogan took a pen was against Bournemouth and that didn't go too well. Um, and I, Hogan's confidence has, hasn't been fantastic this season, really, has it? It's been very up and down. So um, I was like, please, please don't balls this up. Um, and what a fantastic penalty it was, really. Yeah. Um clinical sharp power and you know keeper's got a touch to it fair play to him but uh hogan's had a few words with him afterwards i love that that yeah. was great that. yeah um which was good to see it was just kind of rubbing it in it a bit so uh that was nice and the relief you could see on juki when that penalty went in um yeah. celebration was great because i don't think he'd have slept that night let's be honest no um so, uh, yeah, no, great penalty. And I think it was a deserved win. If anyone deserved to win that game, it was Blues by a country mile. You yeah. would not have thought that we were the side in the relegation battle throughout that game ever. Because I don't think Swansea ever really caused us a problem other than maybe the Yandanda free kick in the second half, which was a good save from Etheridge because he could have easily gone the way he was going. But he managed to just switch his motion quickly and uh, get down to the strike. So, um, for me, if Lee Camp was in goal for that, I think we concede. Um, Because that was the sort of... uh, I I feel like the sort of issue Lee Camp would have because he wouldn't be able to react quick enough to something like that because if he's going one way, he's going one way. Um, So, no, good save from Etheridge. And uh, overall, just a fantastic accomplished second half, as good Mm. as the first, I'd say. Um, But this time we got the goal. Um, So, yeah, no, two penalties in... One game is crazy enough, but uh, no, great performance from the boys. Yeah. Uh, and Carl, you, you mentioned earlier just about you may, maybe you've seen something in, in, in the second half performances under Bowie around sort of maybe allowing them to come on a little bit. And then, and then so do you want to sort of elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it, it's mainly, uh, I think, you know, we'll take the Watford game out, but certainly the two home games. Um, the first sort of 15, 20 maybe, um, it, it seems that Bowie is quite happy to let us let them do what they want with it, almost, you know, but contain them, which is what I think we were doing, you know. And in past games, we were letting teams have possession, sitting deeper and deeper and deeper because they were bossing the game. And I think this one, it's purely game management and trying to, you know, because I think for forty-five minutes we are at teams at the moment, certainly at home, 
You know, yeah. we were full on against Reading, we were full on against Swansea. And I think he just uses that first kind of, let's say, sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes to just buffer it, keep them at an arm's length, but conserve a bit of energy to start pushing on. And, and, and like Tom said, we slowly then started to regain possession of the ball. We started playing. Substitutes were kind of thrown into the mix as well. And we started building and building and building again. So I think, for me, it seems that's the way that Bowie wants to play. Um, which which is fine as long as it works, of course. Suits us um, to the ground. Yeah. Um, and it just, I mean, we were still, you know, all Sky Sports were going on about how great their widening were, how much of a threat they were, how 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 difficult we were going to have uh, time against them kind of thing, you know? And what did they do the entire game? Do you know what Fuck I mean? All. We managed them, absolutely managed them. And I think that's what Bowie wants to do. He's happy to let teams have it. But we need to maintain, and, and they've said it in interviews, we need to maintain our shape, we need to maintain our composure, know our jobs. And, and I think that's what they do, you know, and they just cut off the supply lines, they stop people from playing through them, which, well, three, four weeks ago would not have happened, quite simply. You know, they would have torn us apart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I think that if, if I don't know whether I've got a, I'll put on my blues fan, I've got a chip on my shoulder. But Sky, it's just relentless. It's relentless. Give us some fucking credit for anything. <laughs> you know, if Don Goodman isn't there, somebody else is there to be chip away. It's fucking boring. But, yeah, again, we, we, we don't... And I'm quite happy that, that we, you know... I think as fans, we, we can look at that game and say, we absolutely earned the right for that result. Um, it, it came down to a really good solid base good shape, well-drilled, thankfully good manager, good coaching. So all the things that have been crying out for, I think came to fruition in that game. And I I did say on the last pod <clears throat> that I just hope that they would really focus on those two elements of really, really tight at the back, dead balls, just be well-drilled, just do it and do it and do it and keep doing it. And I, and I absolutely think it paid dividends, you know, clean sheet against top three, fairly free scoring team. Um, certainly towards maybe the start of the season more so than recently. But, you know, that that is such a solid base to build from. Uh, I think Hogan scoring the pen will do him the world of good. I know it's a pen, but it's in the circumstances, you know, it's the points. He's come on a sub. You know, he, he, didn't go, he didn't go for the shithouse move and try and drill it down the middle. He went side netting. Um, so I was really pleased for him. It's a starting point. Of course yeah. it is. And, you know, the, you know, you, that's what he'll remember from that game, you know, and, and we're going into a, a run of games now where, and the other thing I think is worth mentioning about Boya, we've seen Terrell, we've seen San Jose, we've seen Leco, we've seen Seddon, we've seen these players that have been on the periphery for quite a lot. He's only had three games and they've all got game time. He's having a look at all of them. He's put Sunjic in, he's seen Harper. You know, there's a lot to be said. There's not really many players now that, you know, that haven't had a bit of game time. So I think it's testament to him to, you know, he's not just paying lip service to say, well, everybody's got a chance. Everybody's had a chance. Everybody's been given some time. And I think that that will pay dividends when he does change it up, when he goes to a 4-4-2, who can I rely on? You know, just set and going left back, probably not. You know, you, you just by, I know it's only one performance, but you've got to go with committed. What what do I know is going to work? And I think he's seen a lot. I mean, I never thought we'd see Terrell again. Um, I was so happy to see yeah, him. Yeah, you know, 
he's a, he's a he's just a bit of a Rolls Royce of a footballer. You know, he just he's just one of those players that he'll do absolutely nothing for 10, 15 minutes. And then he'll do some fantastic link-up play, great vision, get a shot off. Uh, and we were talking again about those shots from range. He's probably one of five or six that that have got it in their locker to, to score from outside the box. And I he think did that's strike an, a volley, but he was unlucky. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that as much as we've been gushing about Bella and Sanchez... And rightly so, because they were standout, but they were standout in a shit team. And yeah. I think now we, we've we got a little bit more, I think a bit more, um, a few more options going forward, a bit more creativity. So, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, if you train well or you play well when you're given the chance, then you, 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 you know, you, you're going to, you're going to play in the game. So, I mean, it was, uh, again, a bit like Reading, <clears throat> just a huge three points. Some of the results went for us, some of them didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, to get six points out of nine when it could have been fucking, you know, I mean, I think the three of us, if we'd have said three points, that would have probably been the, the max. Yeah. yeah, well, if we'd have got three, we are you know, right, we're in it anyway, but we're banging it there. So, I, I just at the moment, I don't really see any any major negatives. And I, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the defence, fair play to Arlie Dean. I was going to say, how do you feel that your best mate's our best player at the moment? Mate, I hope he's the best player for the next <laughs> fucking three seasons. <laughs> no, no doubt, I do. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just feel that he, he's stepping up. He's taking a bit more responsibility. Um, I think he's got a lot of help now. Um, I think that system suits him. Still think that he probably needs to temper going forward a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to criticise him. I'm not. You know, that's a clean sheet. And if we can keep keep seven more of those, then we ain't got a problem, have we? So yeah. I, th- I think I think there's lots and lots of positives. Um, another tough game coming up. So m- maybe worth just, just touching on. I know there's a couple of other bits that we want to talk about, but while we're talking about, I guess, the, the first team. Um, Tom, obviously a, a tough couple of games coming up in different ways. Um, so with Brentford, you know, sort of 24 hours away, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm optimistic. Brentford are in a bit of a patchy, patchy run of form, you know, two, two wins, one loss, three draws. And those three draws have been their last three games. Yeah. So, um, no, they're not, they're not in a rich vein of form. It's, it's nothing to brag about. And we've already done them over once this season. Um, we do actually have quite a good record against yeah. Brentford. Um, so I would actually fancy us to get something from this game. Uh, I I actually wrote, when I wrote my piece for their programme, I said that Blues will win uh, 2-1. So I'll probably end up sticking with that. But I, I'd, I'd still take a point considering that they're, uh, they're struggling and we're, I'd say we're flying at the moment, not like massively but um we we're certainly there's, there's certainly a much more of a buzz now mm. um so we can definitely go go into the game and look to put a performance in and you know even if we lose it's brentford another top six side yeah. we can't expect the world of the team and it's not far away from our last game so fitness won't be fantastic but I just I think you know same old same old. Just as long as we give a hundred percent, then that's that's great. But I do I do have a positive feeling about this game because we do seem to do all right at Griffin Park despite 
the um, the horrific game a few years back that we don't need to touch upon, um, where there was quite a few goals for the opposition side. But um, yeah, no, overall, we have a great record against Brentford. And I do fancy us and I don't want to lose them because I think they're quite tin pot. But here we are. Um, <laughs> um, nah, if we got something for that game, then that's massive. And I think we cannot say that we shouldn't be getting th- getting points at least on the board from the games we have after that if we do get something from that because if we can do well against these big sides can we please just do well against the smaller ones as well can there just be that consistency um so no i'd certainly take a point but i'm i'm optimistic to say the least yeah carl what do you think yeah i think you know i mean i think all of us are thinking out of the remaining was i think seven now left in it we've got that we can get something from all of them. And I think Brentford's no different. Um, I think any of us expected six points from, well, the last three games. You know, I think we all said at the pod just before he was the first one to play Reading that we weren't expecting anything. And then it was a free hit and whatever we got was a bonus. Well, yeah. I view that as six bonus points, but on the back of massive performances. Um, and I think we've got every right to go into the Brentford game with hope, even with... a. a a sense of expectation, which is a little bit worrying because as soon as Blues fans start expecting fucking anything, it all goes tits up. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've got reason to be positive. And I think if we get away from uh, their pace with at least a point, it's something to take, even if we don't. You know, we're still taking six from 12. That was totally yeah. unexpected. Yeah. I think we can go into the game positive and I think we've got every chance to, to do what we did to Swansea and Reading. You know, they're no different to those teams. They're no better. You know, they're struggling just as much as Swansea were. So, yeah, I think they're there for the taking. I I think it will be a one-all draw, personally, but I think the foundations are there for us to go and nick it and take all three. Uh, and if we take all three, then Christ. <laughs> Bedlam. <laughs> Dancing down the street, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think we've got to keep, uh, obviously, the centre-forward quiet. Um I mean, how many, how many goals has he scored, Tony? I mean, it's too many. <laughs> too many, yeah. And I, I did say, I think it was three of, I think it was when Charlie Austin scored against us. Those big name players, those <clears throat> strikers that always score, they do always tend to score against us. So, yeah, I, I think a, a couple of quid invested on Tony scoring at any time might be a shrewd, shrewd move. Um, yeah, I, I think that the expectation is just based around. We know that, I think just looking at the last three games, we'll be committed, um, that, that we're not going to, you know, put in a, a Luton Town performance that we did un- under Karanka. That was just, it was a massive game. It was a turning point game. And it, there was nothing. I mean, literally, fuck all for 90 minutes, which that yeah. was the toughest one for me out of all of them. And I mean, it was, I mean, there's a few to choose from, to be honest, but that, that was probably the one for me. Um, so I don't see that happening. Brentford, a decent side. They've been in and around it for many, many seasons now. Keep selling the best players, keep bringing in probably better ones. Um, I think we can learn a lesson from that, that's for sure. But I, I just take a clean sheet again. I think if we can get into the mindset of clean sheets, I, I said it on the last one, I'd take a nil-nil. I'd be happy with nil-nil. Because um, again, that just gives us that real belief that we, we're keeping out bloody good sides um, that have got a lot of attacking threat. So hopefully when we go into the sort of the Rotherham and the Derbies, that we know we've got a solid foundation. Um, but yeah, I, I think you'll go with the same uh, mindset of 
we've got enough midfielders. If you want to play through us, we're just going to be all over you. So you could do that for the first 10 minutes. You'll get absolutely nowhere. And then they'll be resorted to long balls. And okay, they've got a decent centre center forward, but our defence have got a lot of confidence going into the game. So I think we'll probably nullify them. Um, if, we, if we're on our metal and we play like we did in the last game, I think it's just a very, very similar. It's a pick em. It could be nil-nil. It could be one-nil one either way. Um, <clears throat> it would be a shame not to have, I know he's saying the obvious, a point, just keep that, that metre running, keep it ticking over. Another point close to 50 points, which I think is what we're going to need. Um, I just keep chipping away game by game. Uh, but but no, it's certainly got, not going to be easy. Um, it, it's, it's a beautiful stadium, big pitch, which I think will suit us. Um, I don't think he'll play the same. I think he'll play the same formation, uh, whether he plays the same 11. I don't think he will. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be a massive fan of Cosgrove coming in for, for Djokovic, um, only because I think we need to see it. And I think Djokovic is going to be maybe a bit more of a, an asset against Stoke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I think it's a free role with Cosgrove. Uh, why not? It's not going to, it's not going to cost us anything. I we think haven't seen a, enough of him, have we really? You no. Know, he's, he's not had any real no. game time, like last 10, last five. And we spent, what was it? Sort of two, three million on him or whatever it was. You know, we, we've got to see him, you know, he's got to bring something to the party Yeah. at the end of the day. And I think even if he's just given the first 45, 50, exactly 60 minutes, that. he's got to be given that chance. You know, it's, yeah. Hogan took his chance. Leco's taken his chance. Now it's Cosgrove's turn to step up and take it. Definitely. And and it's just whether you say, I think if you play Cosgrove up there, I'd probably want Hogan with him just to have that bit of bit of experience with him, get him through the game. Uh, I think if you've got Leco with him, it will be a little bit disjointed. Um, and that's not to say, I, I thought Leco had a de- decent game, but I think if Cosgrove comes in, then, then I think Hogan plays. <clears throat> but having said that, I think if if I think Hogan plays anyway. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think Hogan will play. If has Cosgrove had a start yet? I don't think he no, has. he hasn't. He's no. been last five ten minutes of no. every game. I think he's played. yeah, he, he deserves a start, and especially after Juki getting his head bashed in in the last game, um, could probably don't probably do some about. good. Nothing wrong with it, Tom. It was yeah. a clean challenge. There's nothing wrong with it. What's he meant well, to have done? Yeah, Wait, no, I, I don't. Um... <laughs> that pissed me off. I was getting so angry. It was just like. And they were just like, oh, he's done nothing wrong there. I, it's, I'm sat there explaining it to my nan because my nan was so confused. And I'm like, she didn't think it was a foul. And I'm like, I don't care if he went to go and get the ball. He's taken out the man first. End of story. It's it, For me, I think it was just outside the box. So I think it should have been a free kick. But even still, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, should, it didn't make sense to me because he did foul the man. And um, it, it should have been impeded but it wasn't and I just didn't understand why but here we are because you know clearly nothing happened to Juki's head no, <laughs> nothing at all nothing well the thing is he's had worse and he'll probably have uh, probably have a bit more for the, the just the way that he plays but I, I think that and it's not because he missed the penalty and, he's, and, I, and I think we're all, all agreed that he's had a, a rebirth and he's got a big part to play not just this season but next season under Boya I, th- I think we, we've got him now and, and I, we're much the better for it. And that's not to go back on what I was saying. I think under a, in a Karanka side, he doesn't bring anything to the party. And it's not because he's shit. It's because just we don't, wouldn't play to his strengths. Yeah. So I think under Boya, yeah, I, I, th- I think he's got a part to play. But I do think that Cosgrove, 
will be absolutely chomping at the bit. And who knows? You know, I think, as I said, I think it's a bit of a free one. I'd like to see Harper back in. Um, but whether, whether Sunic, I don't know. I think Boya will like Sunic's energy. Um, and I think he may see that as absolutely front and centre when it comes to, you know, sort of cutting down the space, stopping and play. And, and really fits with that sort of that midfield sort of pressing element that we've got with him. So, but again, a little bit like Friday, I'm not really asked what side he picks. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident that, that they, they'll know what jobs they're meant to be doing. And if the game game plan comes off, then we'll, we've got a hell of a chance of getting a result. But I, I think for me, um, we're going to struggle to keep them out. I think 1-1. I think 1-1 would, would be there or thereabouts. But I, th- I think either way, by the odd goal, is 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 possible. Wouldn't surprise me if we win. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but, but yeah, I, I am worried about the, the lad that's got more goals. I think the Blues have scored all season. I think he's the stat. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a worry. Um, so, just, just quickly moving on, just before we wrap it up. Um, a couple of stories that have come out in the, in the last week. Uh, what one being about the the ownership of the ground, and I do go back to the Dong interview, fucking fast that was uh, on WM when he was asked the question, and he came back with, "Yeah, don't worry about it, it's fine." Which which is probably not the sort of answer that I was looking for. Probably wanted a little bit more sort of substance than that. Um, and yeah, it's, it seems that the the ownership or part ownership of the of the ground has maybe maybe changed hands. So, um, Tom, I'll, Tom, I'll give you first dibs. What, what your thought, thoughts on what you've heard and and your concerns, maybe? Um, I'm quite concerned to be honest because I don't I don't know I the fact that the club has did declined to comment is weird. That's that's the bit that doesn't settle right with me declining to comment why can't you just be open and transparent about what you're trying to do because to me you could look at it and it just it does just kind of look like cost cutting uh, essentially uh, but it also gives more overall ownership to the mr king elusive man that you know the man in the suit that nobody knows about um it's um i don't know i don't know it, it doesn't settle right with me but from what i'm reading it's or it's almost like this Vong Petch bloke has become more has become more of an owner of the club, whereas sort of Trillion Trophy Asia or above that, you know, Mr. King is becoming more of an owner of the stadium. And I don't know what the end game is. Things are constantly changing, and I don't know whether it's to balance the books to kind of escape FFP. Um or just to be more profitable or so numbers look better. And I think that might be the angle they're trying to go for, unless by some minor miracle, they want to sell the club, which would be great. I'd be all for that. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to tell this. Just it's so many numbers and layer on layer on layer of different deal with such and such and such and such. And it, it almost seems like it's so much so it confuses you and yeah. kind of throws you off a bit. There's there's definitely something behind it. And I think that's why the club won't comment because there'll be there'll be a reason why they don't want to say anything. Because if it was if it was nothing to worry about, then why can't they say that? Yeah. At, I mean, at I, least. I think it's like in most things, you know, you'll you'll get some very clever accountants looking at the books and saying, Okay, well, 
what you can do here is by you know to maybe offset any tax implications or reduce the profitability or in, increase the losses depending on how you want your business to perform down the line whether it's to sell the club or n not sell it and consolidate a little bit there's so many different motivations of doing making those sort of business decisions that you can't really come out in an open forum and say oh yeah we've sold it because yeah, we, we need to conform to FFP or we need to show more profit on the books, whatever it may be. What the reality of it, you could you could probably just about get to it at one point. But I'm I'm like I'm with you, Tom. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's so cloak and dagger and it's it's very much yeah. a, a backdrop to this ownership. I mean, to be fair, if they've sold part of the ground, hopefully they've sold the fucking cop and the tilton because it's falling down. And um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't but know yeah. whether it's Dong trying to save his job and make the numbers look better. Uh, you fucking, he'll need more than that, believe me. When yeah. we come on to the next topic, Carl, what, what any, any? Can you shed any light on this uh, merry-go-round? <laughs> um, probably shouldn't use the words I want to use. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it just speaks volumes about the ownership, doesn't it? All the way through, you know, from from when they took over to now, it's just been one pile of dog shit after the other in it really let, let's be honest it's been terrible yeah. um I, I don't think there's anyone that can really shed a whole amount of light on it to be fucking honest it's like you say cloak and dagger smoke and mirrors i think my biggest concern and i, and I agree with tom is probably the lack of transparency like i know they're not going to come out and tell us everything of course they're not no one ever does that but there's never really been any communication from the club about anything <laughs> i mean i think if you remember when we lost do you remember the the second sanction we got um, from the AFL for breaching the business plan or whatever? Like they sent out a statement at something like quarter to twelve at fucking night. Do you know what I mean? Like you just in these moments you need someone in the club to go. Okay, we need to at least let the fans know what's going on because ultimately they're the heartbeat of the club. We're the ones that are going to pay for. Blues TV while we're not there. We're the ones that are going to pay for the tickets, the shirts, the fucking little things that go in the back of the car, like your little stickers and stuff, you know, and your coasters or whatever else you want to buy from the club shop, you know. And there just seems to be no consideration still of the fans, which is just an outrageous thing. Um, let's just see what Miss, whoever it is that's bought it. Is... Miss Ying Ying Yang Yang, whatever her name is. I can't <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And, and I know it's double-barreled. Yeah, it's definitely double barrel. I think it, a lot of it seems to be uh, started at the very top with, like Tom said, this Mr. King. And um, obviously, I think Dan Ivory does loads of fantastic work on it. And reading his articles, I mean, that hurts my head just reading it. So God knows how he feels writing the fuckers, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, I just do any of us know. We're probably going to end up playing on fucking Heath somewhere. Brian Dick raised a really interesting point, <clears throat> and that is, where is the ticket revenue going to go? When fans are back in, where does the ticket revenue go? Because if the stadium is now no longer officially part of the club, which which it isn't because it's being, you know, rented to us, um, which is scary in itself because you don't want to end up like Cov. You know, if things fall apart, people fall out, we don't have a fucking ground. Um, so that's, that's worrying in itself. Um However, where will things like ticket revenue go and all of that sort of stuff? It's, I don't know, because that, that is essentially part of the stadium and also, also, you know, your food and beverages, everything. I don't, it's, it's all quite worrying how it could, 
go about, I suppose. Um, however, Daniel Ivory, who you just mentioned, has just tweeted um, saying, what are the chances of the club being sold in the near future? Uh, quite high, with uh, 21.64% of it was sold to Vong Petch in December, who I mentioned earlier. Mm. So he is now the majority yeah. owner, and we've not heard a fucking thing from him. I, I know nothing about him. Uh, and the stadium is obviously being in, in the process of completely sold off. So whether this is a very, very, very quiet selling of the entire club, which it could be, who the fuck is Vong Petch? That's my question. <laughs> Realistically, who? Because why can't that sounds they just like a T-shirt to me? Exactly. Why can't they just come out and say we're selling the club? <laughs> Literally, like why can't they just say they're selling the club? Because it. You know, Daniel Ivory did mention it could be the sale of the club because it looks, it sort of looks that way, but it probably won't be. Um, I just can't, I cannot, I just can't believe, given where we're at, this is not the ideal time to sell fucking anything. No. You know, I, I, I think that there's, there's two things for me, you know, from a negative point, if, if we go down, then. I think there's so many different things in play. It's unbelievable. Um, I think that, and, and that's everything. That's new owners. That's administration. That's just you. The whole gamut is in play. Um, if we stay up, that's a different ball game altogether. And my worry is, I'd love to see us sold at that point because I think we've got some value. I think we've got we've got some assets on the pitch. We've got a good coaching staff. Feels like it's not a complete basket case. So I can see that. My worry is if these lots stay, it, it feels to me, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but Bowie seems to have not had, I think he's just had a bit of um, like a cocoon. It's like his players on the training pitch, first team, that's all you focus on, nothing else. And, it, and he's sort of reaping the rewards. But I think that's a, a bloody good sort of segue into... Well, the first team of the of the men's is important, but for me, I'm just again fucking stunned what I'm reading about. Obviously, the women's team. Uh, I, I just I was listening back to the um, Viv Solomon Otterbor, um pod uh, yesterday, and how I felt when he was talking about the contract offer from Monk and how that made me feel about my club. And it's exactly the same feeling when I was reading about the women's team and, and hearing how it's being run or not being run. You know, it, it, it's, it's not even fucking embarrassing. I don't even know where to start with it. You know, not even getting minimum wage, no training facilities, bringing their own kit. They're a fucking Premier League team. They were, they've been one of the best women's trailblazing fucking yeah. professional teams for years. Fucking hell, Liverpool we've, didn't we've even have a had a good women's team. team. Yeah, and I just... It's like you, you, you'd like to think there are certain pockets of the club that are going to be protected, but so far, the academy shot to fucking pieces. The women's team is basically just not being run at all by anybody. They're just having to fend for themselves. And, and I've said time and time again... Supporting Blues isn't just about three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It's about everything. And as I as I see it now, and we talked about Dong, I hope this fucking takes him down. I hope it takes him down because it just seems to me that he's 
trying to cut costs. He sees it as a, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get why we should have a women's team. He doesn't understand it. It's a cost to so fuck it off. And I hope this is the thing that fucking brings him down. So anyway, rant over. Carl, what do you think? I think you've probably covered fucking everything. I mean, I don't think shambolic, disgraceful, shocking, any of those fucking words you want to use. It, it just doesn't cover it, does it? Like you say, we were one of the better, best women's sides for years. You know, we won the fucking Women's FA Cup, for God's sake. You know, we've competed well throughout the years. You know, we've had some quality. And there still are some quality players at the club, you know. We've had some real quality who've really gone on to do stuff, you know, in for, for bigger teams. Yeah. And now, I mean, look, going through Twitter this morning, I think we said before we came on, you know, looking at some of the women who are, who are tweeting out who still play for the club, which is yeah. fucking unreal that they're doing it, you know. It's, <sighs> to echo your sentiments, I fucking hope it brings him down. It's got to. Like, how can you treat... But anybody like this, not just fucking people who are meant to be under your direction, care. I don't yeah. know fucking what word, you know, <clears throat> it is disgraceful. And to not be paid the, the minimum wage when they're playing professional sport, elite sport, they're the top of the level of their game. It's just fucking outrageous. Yeah. And, and it makes me angry. It makes me sick, you know, because we sat, I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily watch the, the women's games, but I do follow them on Twitter and stuff like that and try to keep up mm. with the news and things that are going on. And, you can see how much it means to the management staff, the players that are there, you know? Yeah. And to have some people who probably had never heard of Birmingham fucking 10, 15 years ago make decisions that is effectively ruining lives and putting people's fucking health at risk as well if they're not with the proper facilities is outrageous. And something's got to be done. While it is, I don't know, but something has to happen. To to be honest, guys, I think the fact that it's got profile says a lot. I mean, it's been on Sky... Yep. You know, social media is melting down. I, I, I'd like to think that, you know, the, the women that play for Blues and represent the club feel that, you know, without sounding cliched, they're not alone. And what we, we need to be doing something, what that is, you know, we certainly need to start thinking about it because yeah. it's fucking not acceptable. It's not. I mean, I mean, the dickhead has done that yeah. many things. I mean, so many things that you could probably put in the it's football bracket. But this isn't. This is something completely different. It's not football. It's just toxic no, it's, now. No, yeah. I mean, well, it, it it's just he's devoid, completely devoid of understanding. And Carl, you touch it's duty of care to your staff. This fucking non. And and like I said, it, absolute the amount of girls that get into football and just sport in general. Yeah, you know, whether they play for Blues or anybody else, sport is so critical for for young young kids to just have something. And if they want to come and play for Blues, fucking great. But just to have, you know, set, you know, treated as second class citizens in my in my book in, is just, just beyond. Yeah. You, 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 I, I just it, it just do me. So Tom, what, what what are your thoughts? Joe, I've got three three points I want to cover that have all come to mind. One of them quickly, I'm just going to bat it out there. Is um, I don't know if you guys see, you know, obviously when Panos was in control and stuff, he, he's quite vocal on Twitter occasionally about these new owners um, and will openly slate them. And I'm just sat here thinking, fuck off. You sold us to them. Why are you coming out here? Like, I, Oh no, it gets, it gets me really angry because you, you're slating the people that you sold us to. So you knew what we were in for. Um, so I don't understand why he openly does that. That doesn't make sense. Cause he is, just as much to blame essentially as 
the blokes who are in here doing what they're doing. Um, so that annoys me. Thing number two is um, I meant to mention this earlier about Vongpech, who's now virtually almost completely owning the club. Um, you know, he's, he's a real estate developer. Um, we sold the stadium to him. What I what I fucking dread is, oh, we'll knock down the stadium. We'll go move into uh, some other whatever. Because, I mean, it was mentioned on uh, Daniel Ivory's article about us possibly moving stadiums. That is a very slim, slim possibility of all the crazy possibilities of what this could mean because they are being quiet about it. So you you're, you're obviously not going to think positive about it. Um, so there's that which is worrying in itself. And it's another Chinese owner, essentially, that we know fuck all about. And then um, you come to the women's team now that really just seems like it's being treated to force it out. Like, it, they've not been treated well all season. I mean, before then, all the players were going. There was no incomings. Every single player in sight was being sold with, like, three or four incomings on freeze. Um, yeah. And in fairness, the business that has been done this season has actually been quite good transfer-wise. They've brought in some uh, bargains that have kept this team a team, essentially. Because, yeah. you know, they're not in the relegation zone. They're just above it, which at the start of the season, anyone who predicted how our women's team was going to fare, they did not expect us to stay up. Like, it looked like the women's team was going to get relegated because it had lost all its best players. Um so, no, that, that was concerning. That was where it all began. And now it just looks like it's kind of being binned off. You know, no one's being taken care of. There was obviously recently that issue of um, Dong didn't want the games moved to St. George's Park. Uh, there, was no re- there was no specific reason for that. He didn't want to leave um, playing at, at Solihull Moors' ground, even though we weren't really being able to play games there because the pitch wasn't good enough. Whereas if we go to St. George's Park, we get the games out of the way, but Dong didn't want it to happen. Why? I don't fucking know. He Mm. just wanted the games to be stopped virtually. That's the way it seemed. And obviously the FA got involved and now we do play games at St. George's Park. Um, So that was dodgy in itself. And now they're just not being, there's not much communication. They're not being spoken to. And it really, really wouldn't surprise me if the next step was unpaid wages. Because yeah. that is the direction these this sort of thing tends to go in. Um, it, as soon as it starts once, it will happen continuously. Yeah, And it does sound like the slow, disgusting elimination of the women's team. And it's, it's vile. It is horrible to hear. Yeah but that does sound like the motive and comes out with the women's team is thriving. Bollocks, bollocks. Yeah. I mean, such a liar, such a liar. And you just want to punch his fat face. You really do. (laughs) He's got one of those faces. It's just so square and fat and you fully just want to wrap your fist around him. But I I don't know what, what he's doing is just shambolic to say the least. Um, And I, I honestly can't predict the direction, but, well, yeah, I mean, I can it, predict it, his negativity right now. I, I think this is one of the, and, and rightly so, I think this is one topic that it gets, it will get a shitload of airtime. It will yeah. get a lot of airtime, and rightly so. Um, and I say, I hope it takes him down. And just, just from my point of view, um, probably won't be overly popular. But if you're going to have a, another team, and I had this in a, a previous sport that I worked in, if you're gonna, if you're gonna commit to it, I can commit to it. 
So we've had Cov playing at Blues this season. Now I'm not saying that women should necessarily play every single game at St Andrews. There's, I, I would, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all if they played 50% of the home games at St Andrews and 50% somewhere else. Whatever. You know, if they're playing the big teams, let's fucking commit to it. If they stay up and they're playing the the Man Cities and the Chelseas and those sort of teams, they should be playing at St Andrews. And okay, you know, it may be that there's not going to be massive crowds, but you've got to start somewhere. And we need to show them they're an important part of the club rather than what, what they're at at the moment, which, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it's it's another one of those kicking the bollocks as a fan. You just feel shit and you can't really do a lot, certainly can't do a lot about it at the moment, apart yeah. from doing what we're doing now, which is talk about it. So, yeah, I, I just hope that that we need to keep this going. We need to keep the Dong Out campaign going. You know, it's it's really important. Do you reckon um, he's still having a tantrum over losing Karanka? So he's just well, probably. But on. you know, I I just think that he's massively on the periphery, and I think the people above him are saying, you know, we need the managers come in. He's been appointed by somebody a far loftier position than than him uh, than Dong. So. It's very much right. Let him get on with it, and then and they're, you know proving the pudding. If we stay up, will be what happens next season. Um, and and I think if Dong stays, oh, fucking hell. But we should get vote. the Blues Collective lads on the pod or um, whoever's, yeah. whoever's at the top of it just to chat about all that. Yeah, I, I, I just think that um, it, it. Let's put it this way: lots of shit going on, but first things first. Two wins out of three looking okay at the moment looking like we might stay up and once we stayed up there is so much shit to sort out it's unbelievable um so so yeah but anyway let's sort of wrap it up there i think predictions wise um just just as we finish on that i'm I'm just as i said just to confirm that i'm gonna go one apiece tommy you staying with your two one two one and terrell and hogan will bag interesting and carl yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, John. I think one all. I think Cotsgrove's gonna get his first goal for Blues. Fabulous. Let's hope so. Dream pick. Yeah, a dream <laughs> pick. Christ, fucking, you heard it here first. That's a nap yeah. on anybody's fucking betting. <laughs> right, straight on Sky Bet. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Carl, thanks a lot, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll, we'll, we will speak after the after the game. Yes. See you soon, lads. Cheers, mate. And, and Tom, top stuff as ever. Um, thanks a lot. Right then, that's it. Um, only only sort of 24 hours away from the next game. Uh, fingers crossed, same sort of performance. And hopefully, if not one point, then can, can we dare to dream for another three? Uh, but let, I think we can all say that uh, we expected performance because that's what they've been doing ever since Lee came in. So more of that. But between now, then, now and then, stay safe and keep right on. Social Podcast Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.